Are you ready for this? Welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan. I'm Corey. I'm Logan. And we are here to go on the journey of life and leadership growth with you. Welcome to the Principles Podcast. Principles with Corey and Logan. And again, excited to have our guest today, Mr. Don. And Don is uh, actually just got the opportunity to talk with him before we press the record button. But our good, we have a mutual friend, Drew Jackson, who was on the podcast several weeks ago, uh, talked a whole lot about Don and say, man, you got to meet this Don guy. We're in a mastermind group together. He is really wise, but not only that, he is doing some incredible work with men and women in the military, uh, making the transition and, and the things he is doing for those people is just incredible. And I really need to meet him. So I'm excited. I'm excited to get to know you a little bit more, Don, and excited for you to share your story. So welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan, Don. Well, thank you very much. And I am looking forward to it as well. I appreciate the opportunity to get together and, and be a, a guest on your podcast and talk a little bit about what we're doing. And, uh, you know, really just following God, following God's lead and, and how he's, uh, he's pushing me in my heart. And, uh, and, and that's been a story by itself to figure that out. So we may touch on that today, <clears throat> but uh, just trying to be a servant of the, of the, of the man. Hey, I'm all in on that. And it's interesting. You, you kind of touch on that. It's interesting to recognize that voice and that pushing yeah. and that leading. So, well, well it's well, not always so easy. It is not. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's like, man, you're that's right. right. Mm-hmm. So, Donna, welcome. And uh, tell Thanks. us a little bit about uh, who you are, your background, mm-hmm. what you do, and those kind of things. Oh, you bet. So, I'm from Wisconsin. Uh, Went to high school up that way, went to the University of Wisconsin, graduated in 82, uh, height of the Reagan recession, I call it. It was, uh, you know, unemployment was over 10% for college graduates. It was much higher. Um, My civil engineer, I was civil and environmental engineer. There was 85% of that class that did not have a job after four months. Wow. September of 82. And guess what? I was in the 85%. Wow. So I had 454 letters from companies at my graduation party in May that year saying, thanks, but no thanks, we're not hiring. Now, we were in a recession, so it was a tough market, but that was tough to see, 454 letters. I counted them, as you can tell. So uh, I ended up joining the service that summer. I wanted to do something besides go back and get my master's and, and stay in school. I was, it was time for me to get into the real world. And, uh, and I joined the Air Force. Both of my brothers were in the Air Force. My dad was in the Army. Back, if, if you're, you can see my dad's picture right here from uh, when he was in Korea. He, uh, he was in Okinawa when, you know, in June, was it June 25th of 1950 when North Korea invaded South Korea? And they put him on a boat and in the middle of a typhoon. And he went to, to Korea and he was in all the major battles before he went home. And uh, he did get home, obviously, because he found my, found my mom and they had three kids and I'm the youngest of three. <clears throat> so, uh, so I joined the service, never thought it would be more than four years. And I stayed for 27. Yeah. I just absolutely loved the environment, the, the mission that we were working. I love the people. I love the challenges. You know, I got to, I got to be on the forefront of a lot of the environmental restoration program, cleaning up, identifying contaminated sites, cleaning up contaminated sites, studying groundwater where the where the we had a, a trichloroethylene plume that that uh, we had to isolate in our first assignment. We were just joking a little bit ago about, you know, it was, it was in the Upper Peninsula, Michigan on Lake Superior, and it was not uncommon to have a 50-inch snowfall in March. We were snowed in for our first four anniversaries. My wife and I were snowed in, literally. And uh, so to try to do a groundwater survey in the middle of that was interesting, but uh, another more, more lessons. <clears throat> but uh, I stayed for 27. And then I got out in 2009. I had got to about as far as I wanted to go and uh, it's about the opportunities that were there. I ended up joining with Booz Allen Hamilton, a uh, management consulting firm, and consulted back to the Air Force civil engineer community in the emergency management realm, the environmental realm, and then actually did some work with the Department of Energy on cost savings. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, working through uh, Lean Six Sigma processes. And then I got out of that in 2017. I said, you know what? I've always had this inkling. It was always funny. Whenever I was on an airplane and I'd pick up one of these magazines, it's like, 
I'd really like to own my own business. I'd really like to be out on my own. I think that's just exciting. And uh, in 2014, I had joined the John Maxwell team, got certified in August of 15, and uh, I've just loved that community and what that brings. But it allows me to really bring my experiences forward and, and couch it in a lot of the leadership lessons that John has. So they really mesh well together. Um, so I did that for about three, four years, just until COVID started, and I was really enjoying that, but there was something missing. This is where that, I think we, we were going to say this is, a, this is an interesting lesson, is figuring out your target audience. <clears throat> I remember sitting in, in Florida, we were at the, at the World Center Marriott, and uh, we had a two-hour break in the afternoon during a Maxwell conference, and I said, I got to figure out my target audience. Is it businesses? because you know, I come out of the architect, engineer, construction community, or is it military, military and transition? I had a really good transition in 2009, but I was very specific on what I wanted. And most people were telling me to be very broad. And I said, no, I don't want to do those things. I want to do this. And I got that job. So I, I always advocate for that. And I remember going out to the pool that day and, and sitting there and I was praying. And I said, God, I, I just need some guidance on which way do you want me to go? I'm struggling doing both. I need one. And, uh, and I, I got the guidance to, it was kind of like to stay in the military side, but I fought him. And I said, no, I, I can't figure out how to monetize that. I'm, I'm going to go with business. Well, guess what? COVID hit. All of a sudden the opportunity popped up for us to open up a nonprofit to help military and transition using the mastermind concept out of the book, Think and Grow Rich, which is nothing more than like-minded people coming together for a common purpose. And we develop relationships. You get to know each other. You're vulnerable to your group. You lay everything out and they help you overcome issues, thinking partner, mentoring, whatever it is. You know, we help people overcome those issues. And that's what we do with the military. And just about every possible issue can think of, we've addressed. Sometimes it surprises me that that issue comes up. But I'm excited every time because it's what's in their heart. It's what's challenging them that's slowing them down. You know, one of the most recent ones was, I've now got my job. I'm in the new company, corporate. I've been there a month and I'm bored. They're not using me. Is this the way it's going to be? Because if this is the way it is, I want to leave. I want to go find an exciting job. I want fast pace. I want to make a big impact. And, uh, and we talked about it that night. And, and, I, and I told him from my career, I said, yeah, my first month was kind of that way, but it picked up quickly. And I said, just got to give it a little bit of patience. So, so just helping people. We've had people come in the group and said, you know, I'm now working 80 hours a week. And this isn't what I want for a work-life balance. I'm going to quit tomorrow. And we talked and said, do you like the people? Oh, yeah. Do you like the company? Yeah. Do you like the mission? Yeah. I said, okay, so it's really just the hours. I said, have you talked to your boss? He goes, no, I don't want to do that. I said, if we were able to prepare you for a conversation with your boss to bring it back down to 45, 40, 45, 50 hours, would, would you be happy? He goes, I love it. So we prepped him. He had the conversation the next day and the boss said, yep, you're exactly right. And within, within the month, he was back down to 45 hours. So he's still with him. That was six months ago. So helping people to get the right job, to stay in the job is so exciting and using that mastermind. So, so here I am using John Maxwell's materials and every one of us using it a different way, right? So I, I found my niche. God, and I, I resisted, I think it was three times, maybe four times, I resisted working in that environment because I just couldn't figure it out until I finally found it. You know, that's amazing you say that. What I found, there, there are a lot of times I've done the same thing, trying to negotiate with God or try to resist God and, and do the same thing of, well, it just doesn't make sense and, and trying to make sense of it. And most of the time it doesn't, right? Until you get going down that route. It just, it doesn't make sense. Um, Got to step, step into the door, right? That's right. Happens. That's right. And that's why it's called faith, right? That's it's, right. It's that's faith. right. I want to go back to something in your story. You were talking about whenever you graduated college and, you know, the unemployment rate, what it was, you got 454 letters that said, no, we're good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, take us through that thought process. Did you ever get discouraged or was it automatically, all right, that's not going to work. Let me go into the military. Can, can you talk about that thought process right there? Sure. And, uh, and that, that's something I've toyed around with a little bit lately. So I'm glad you asked that question. I want to explore it a little bit, right? It's like a coaching session, right? I want to explore it a little bit. Yeah. I, did not, I did not feel depressed. 
Um, it was kind of funny through that spring semester. <clears throat> and I mean, remember, this is before computers. There yeah. was no iPhones. There was no iPads. There was no laptops. There wasn't even desktops at the time. So this was the, the manual typewriter. Oh. And my, my wife had typed most of my papers, probably all my papers through, uh, through college. <clears throat> and she would, sometimes I'd ask her, I said, so does it make sense? She goes, I don't understand your subject. You're an engineer. I said, it just needs to grammatically make sense. And she would help me with the grammar and I would, I would work the substance. But she sat there and she typed every one of those letters. And then I'd go through and edit them and she'd retype them. But it wasn't just fixing a couple of words, right? And reprinting it. It was typing the whole letter back out. You know, obviously we made the, the resume and had that copied off. <clears throat> so every day it was like type another five, five to seven more and send them out, five to seven more, send them out. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't remember getting depressed but I do remember thinking through the process of, do I go back to college? Do I get a master's degree? And it was certainly an option. My wife uh, was working in a savings alone. She had moved up from a teller to a new accounts person. I didn't know this. When I left to go to officer training school, she got offered to work for the president of the company. I think it was as a girl Friday, you know, kind of like an executive assistant. So that was, a, that would have been a huge, we would have made a whole lot more money than the two of us made, you know, together with me being an officer in the air force coming in. That was pretty, that was pretty low, <clears throat> but uh, she didn't, she, she knew that I wanted to, to get in to do some environmental work. So it was really just trying to figure out the path to get there. And uh, I was working at a, uh, what was it? Department of Agricultural United as a honeybee research lab. There's, there was five honeybee research labs in the country at the time. And I was working there in Madison, Wisconsin, where one of those were underneath the University of Wisconsin. And we were doing research on the, the African honeybee, trying to um, breed the African bee gene traits out of bees, you know, be able to get a, a good docile bee that people could work with, but still get the good honey production. <laughs> so that took a lot of my time that summer. So it was just, it was just kind of just doing, doing, doing and figuring that, you know, this is, this it's going to, it's all going to work out. Um, so I, I wasn't, I don't remember being fretting or worrying about it, <clears throat> but uh, there's all of a sudden came an opportunity for me to, and then guy who was best man at my wedding got in a bad car accident that June. So this was three months after we got married, about a month after I got out of the, out of the I graduated from college. So we spent a bunch of time at the hospital, just sitting with his wife and sitting with his parents because he, he was literally pronounced dead on the scene. And, and uh, he, he made a movement because the guy, the, figure this one out, the EMS gentleman who was there was his next door neighbor, the good friend. So he heard the voice laying on the ground, had been pronounced dead, basically, not, not officially, because you can't do that on scene. <clears throat> but uh, he heard the voice rolled over just enough to scream his name. And they said, he's alive. And, uh, and he is still alive today. Wow. Um, so we spent a lot of time that summer. So it was a crazy summer. But uh, just kind of attacking it one thing at a, one thing at a time, one thing at a time, faithful to God that this is all going to work out. And I was... I was only a believer for about three years at that time. Wow. So I was still a pretty young, young believer to have that faith. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, when I hear that, I immediately think of you're writing those letters out. Your wife was helping you. How much work it was. Like you said, you couldn't just go into Word and print the thing off or email it. Like each one of those was work. And, and I hear your faith in that. And I hear there, there are probably a little bit of discouragement, but you never got down. But how easily people now get so discouraged and how one small thing can can be a, a kind of hindrance or a roadblock to get to where it is that they truly want to be. And um, yeah. anyway, uh, any, any kind of encouragement that you have for something, go for it. Go for it, Don. So, so that's interesting because people are telling me as we're going through this transition. So they're going through the pandemic, right? And they're trying to transition out of the service into a corporate job during the transition. And they're trying to say, you know, it never has it been this challenging before. You know, we're the first one. And I said, well, wait, wait a minute here. I said, at the time, I said, unemployment was 3% when COVID started. You know, okay, it jumped up to 8, 9, 10, 12%, but it's back down to 4%, I think, in Texas. I said, so I graduated in 82 and the unemployment for years was um, over 10%. 
I got out of the service in 2009, the height of the Great Recession, we called it, right? When the market really took a dump of 50%, and it was the housing crisis and everything else. And I, I said, companies weren't hiring then. I said, so I got out of the service, in the, out, of the, out of the college, found a job. I got out of service, found a job in the two toughest environments. Not to say the pandemic hasn't been tough. I said, but don't tell me it can't be done. Yeah. I said, but here's, so, so remember, whenever you get on stage and you're always thinking about what's the story I can tell people, and that's the story people love to hear is that, you know, got down into the depths <clears throat> and came back up, you know, rags to riches type stories. And uh, you always think, I haven't had one of those. But I guess my story is exactly that of getting out of finding a job in each of those environments that was, that was really hard and then being able to work through it. And I and both of them worked out very well for me. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Is that, so, is that what you were thinking? Yes, 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 one hundred percent. And um, that's exactly what I was thinking. The, the mindset of oh, it's never been this bad or never been this challenging is is kind of what I was thinking yeah. into as you said yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I, I really want to talk also about the work you're doing right now and helping military personnel uh, transition. What do you, what do you kind of find in some of their biggest challenges of making that transition from the military into kind of, kind of the work setting or even as entrepreneurs and those kind of things, what are some of the big yeah. things they struggle with? Yeah, a couple, couple different ones. One is <clears throat> when you join the military, whether you go to basic training, officer training, the academy, you succeed. I know I succeeded getting out of that, getting in my commission, getting promoted, you know, I, I retired as a colonel, 27 years. I've been a group commander, so I, I was a 1,600-person unit, you know, seven different squadrons underneath the group. <clears throat> so I advanced through that whole piece as being part of a team. But as soon as you start your transition, that transition part, you're all by yourself. Mm. Now, there's, so there's a, there's a lot of organizations giving resources and helping, but it's it's you still feel like you're alone. You go to the you go to the event. You get this huge stack of information. You have to go home. You have to decipher it, apply it to your situation, <clears throat> and uh, and that gets it feels very lonely. So that was where it was two years ago, December of nineteen. My partner and I were sitting in an event, and the C the CEO of the event, a transit military transition event, she, they were a nonprofit, said, "Don't transition alone." And for some reason, both of us heard that and said, how do you not? The way it's set up, you really do it on your own. You go, you go to these events, but you do everything on your own. I said, well, what can we do to help them? And we thought, when we were just been exploring the mastermind concept. <clears throat> it's like, how can we leverage the mastermind? So we got together at a bar, had a beer, and we sat down and we started on the back of a napkin, <clears throat> you know, like, like all engineers did when I was in the Air yeah. Force, you know, and you'd figure out the concept and we'd write up a paper. And we, uh, we said, let's start this. So I think the first one is the first big challenge is military feel like they're alone and we need to help build a team around them. And that's exactly what military transition Roundtable does is by leveraging the mastermind concept. We bring that team of individuals together. It's like I've already talked about <clears throat> and how do we help each other through the different issues, how the different challenges and, and leverage the knowledge and experience of the group. And that, so that's, that's what we do. That's the first one. <clears throat> the second challenge I think is, they don't know what they want to do. Mm -hmm. I say, I say that they don't know how to answer the question, what do I want to do next? And that's where I'm able to bring my Maxwell trained coaching. Now I've coached a lot of people, mentored a lot of people through the service, <clears throat> helping them. Uh, one thing, so I'm going to step back for a second. When I was a second lieutenant, first lieutenant, we would always get together and joke within the civil engineering squadron. Who wants to be a base civil engineer? The squadron commander was the base civil engineer. He was in charge of you know, the utilities, the, the water, the electricity, all that kind of stuff. And it, there's always things that's going on with it. It was aging infrastructure then. It's even worse now. <clears throat> so they were always getting yelled at. And we said, why does anybody want to be a base civil engineer? Well, when I got to those leadership positions, when I got to work with the people and help them be better than they thought they could be, right? either achieve things they didn't think they could, be the person they didn't think they could, achieve a project that they didn't think they could. That was where the excitement really came through. And I, and I loved coaching people and helping them through that. So that's why I stayed in past 20 and, and got to be a colonel because I could do that at a broader level. But 
most people come into the service, the military tells them what to do, right? You, you take the ASVAB, Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery, I think it is, and they decide, hey, you've got these skills, we're going to make you a personnelist or a contracting guy or a medical, whatever, right? You know, not, not a doctor. Doctors obviously went through med medical school. Engineers went through, got a degree in certain things. But if you're a history major, you know, there's no history position in the Air Force, right? So they become pilots, they become, you know, whatever. <clears throat> so, uh, but they never get an opportunity to really decide what they want to do until all of a sudden they come out of the service and they're 40 to 50 years old and they've never done that before. So how do I decide what do I want to do next? So I take them through a whole process of, you know, what did you really enjoy? What did you not enjoy? What was your best day? What was your worst day? What kind of dreams did you have? What, what job did you ever just wish you could do? And I take, I take them back because in the fifth grade, for me, I, I participated in the first Earth Day. I want to say it was 20th of April, 1970. And I was in Wisconsin. And our senator from Wisconsin was a guy who put it all together and sponsored it. So it was a big thing in Madison, Wisconsin. And, uh, and I still remember, I can close my eyes and literally see where I was sitting in the room, looking out the window, the, the sunny day, there was snow on the bushes. I can, I can still see that it was so significant of an event that I knew from then on, I wanted to work in the environmental field. And that progressed over time, right? I was good at math, I was good at science. So I try to take them back to their skills and their interests and their passions to get them to think about what they truly want to do. Now, some people just have to get a job to pay the bills, right? They haven't been saving money. Okay, but now let's use that to step into your dream because you're going to hopefully be around for another 10, 20 years working, right? I've been now working. I got out when I was seeing 09, so it's been 13 years. I don't, I'm 62. I don't know that I'm going to retire at 65. You know, I may, I may work till I'm 75 because it's so fun helping these folks um, in some, in some way, right? It's that passion that God has now given me. Um, and that's okay if it changes. So that's probably the two biggest things is they, uh, you know, yeah, stop there. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, you know, I, what I heard in that is used to be in the part of a team. Now you're transitioned into solo like oh what what i do now and then the other piece of that is being kind of kind of being used to being told what to do right yeah. and and that is a big transition going from knowing what to think instead of and, and knowing how to think right how, how to think and what i found in coaching and and i'm sure you have too with individuals is a lot of times we don't know how to go down that route on our own and, and it's like a, like we won't allow ourselves to go down that route is, is what it is a lot of times. And, and I think it's amazing whenever what you're doing right there, when you can unlock that and tell people, Hey, it's all right to go down that route. Think into it. You're not committed. Yeah. Think into it. Let's think if you could do whatever it is you want to do when you're five <laughs> or in the fifth grade or five years ago, right? Like what would you love to do? Cause life is too short to be just, yep waiting it out until right. time passes right and we got we got one young man i think he was a lieutenant colonel or a colonel but he got out of the service he moved to tampa he's now working with an engineering firm but his dream is to be a charter boat captain out okay. in the gulf of mexico fishing and he's he's starting it Wow. And we have we have found a way. One of our cohorts, we run five cohorts right now. <clears throat> one of our cohorts is helping entrepreneurs. So in that entrepreneur group, we have an HR consultant, we have realtors, we have insurance salesmen, you know, working with him on, on the charter boat captain. <clears throat> so it's just interesting how they all come together and help each other. Because even though they're different businesses, it's the same process, right? You got to figure out what your products and services are. You got to figure out your clients. You got to figure out how to market to them. You got to work through the processes of, 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 of having things, systems, systems in place. And we're using a great book called E-Myth Revisited. Yeah. It always stays right with me. <clears throat> Just a great book to help people think into how to build a business. And now my partner and I are going back and rebuilding our business. We just jumped into it. Yeah. We said, yeah. we're, we're, we did a one-month beta test. We did two meetings. Everybody loved it. And so we're just going to jump in and start it. Yeah. And uh, while we were getting 501c3 certification through the IRS, took us six months, we were already out serving people. Wow. And, uh, and now we got to go back and rebuild the, the structure underneath it now that we really know where it's going. 
Wow, that, that's that's awesome. Uh, so with with what you have, is it? I know your Air Force is it straight up for Air Force or all military, or is it for spouses? Uh, so kind of talk a little bit about that. Who, who's it? All, and it's to say it easily, all military and all spouses, military oh. spouses. Okay. So, <laughs> so it doesn't matter if it's if you were active duty guard or reserve. At some point in your career, and, and we want you to it's probably at least we've limited, I guess, this from an honorable discharge, general or honorable, no bad conduct discharges. Um, so as long as you're in that part of the military or your spouse um, they, or a military spouse. So it doesn't have to be the military member doesn't have to have been in our group. If if they're not a member of our group, but their spouse wants to get in with us, hey, we're open to that. As long as they're a military spouse of an active guard or reserve. Um, so we really opened it up. It's all, all services. It's all ranks. It's all career fields. Yeah. And we mix them up in the same group. So it's not like we say, this is the officer group. This is the senior NCO group. This is the security police group. None of that. <laughs> so we bring it all together in a um, homogenous group. Yeah. And, uh, and it really brings a lot of benefit. We've asked, we surveyed the group a number of times. Would, do you wish we would just do it by service or by rank? And they're like, no, no. I remember this colonel said, you know, that young captain gave me a great idea. That, that master sergeant gave me a great idea. I hadn't thought about it that way. And, and vice versa, the master sergeant loves the, from the colonel's perspective. So we take rank off when we walk in because when you get in the civilian sector, Rank doesn't matter. No. I, I I worked for my boss. He was a major general at the Pentagon. He joined Booz Allen just like I did about the same time. I didn't know that till I got there. But uh, I didn't call him general. I didn't, you know, it, it, the sir quickly walked away and it became Dell. <laughs> and, and of course, he always called me Don, right? Because I was lower ranking. But, you know, and and uh, and he looked at me one time and said, "It's time to take the rank off." You know? wow. and, uh, so, but that that's exactly what we're focusing on. Is it's about the relationship. Yeah. It's about understanding each other, being vulnerable with each other, and being able to ask each other those tough questions and know you can give advice and it's taken in the best possible way to help you. Not no judgment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that that's that's an incredible thing right there. We we have a mastermind group as well, and and it sounds like you're finding some of the same things that we're finding. When you have a group of other people who want your success just as much as you want your success, and yeah. and that want to support you, I mean that that is powerful. And one of the things you mentioned about the the lady there is when you get a group of people like that together, you got all these other minds, you got all these other ideas of things you've never even thought of before. And there's, there's power in that. There really is. Yeah. Yeah. That's really taught me a lot. And I'm actually now through my for-profit business, because <clears throat> I'm doing all this and really understanding transition and resumes and LinkedIn and, and interviews and networking. I'm moving my my for-profit business more into a, being a career transition coach for non-military yeah. and how I can help them and, and, and doing some business, business consulting, business coaching and helping you know, grow businesses. Go back to this book again, right? You take, once you understand that, <clears throat> grow your own business, you can help others. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so Don, um, we're doing a podcast here. Uh -huh. And a lot of the listeners aren't seeing this, but some of those on YouTube are. Uh -huh. There's a really cool painting behind you there. And, and what I can tell, it looks like it's almost like a silhouette of trees and a landscape, but with the American flag in the background. You got to tell me a little bit about that. What's the deal? Yeah, that is a special picture. I had to, I, I still haven't arranged it right on the wall yet, but I had to get it into the back of my, my screen for Zoom. So I had going back to that where did god want me before we started our nonprofit i joined another nonprofit called the leader transition institute and uh, we were at the first inaugural event of that in maryland and we had a one of our events was paint with a twist we call it paint with a twist here it has a different name there but it's basically you come in and they have a, a painter and they walk you through a set design painting and you paint it and it's interesting how everybody kind of comes up with a different perspective, even though you're following the same guy up on stage. But the, the funny part was <clears throat> we, we did the flag and we did the tree. And as I painted the ground, the idea was to paint the little bushes kind of from a desert perspective. And I sat down and I said, I don't know how to do that. And I stared at it for about five minutes. and was like, I don't know how to do that. 
because I was thinking that I needed because it needs to be fat on the bottom, high on the, you know, thin at the top. How do I come from the top down? I was just approaching it wrong. And I went up and I talked to the instructor and he, he kind of said, this is how you do it. And I went back and I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I'm afraid I'm going to ruin my painting. I really like my painting. I don't want to ruin my painting. And then I walked over and I looked at other people and I walked back up to his design in the front of the class and I stared at it. This is all about 20 minutes and I'm stuck. I'm just stuck. And then I said, you know what? If I just don't move forward on this, I'm never going to finish my painting. So I put the brush to the paper and I swabbed up. And it's like, I did it. I did it. Isn't that cool? And then I started doing it over and over and over and over. <laughs> and pretty soon I've almost I've almost got too many. But it was just it was it signified to me exactly where we get in life. You talked about, you know, people in the mastermind getting stuck. Yeah. So bringing that the idea of that painting in of I was stuck. You're going to go through life and you're going to get stuck. You're going to go through transition. You're going to get stuck. You're not going to know. You mentally know how to do it, but emotionally, you just can't take that step. <clears throat> but take the step, and you're going to be amazed at the results. And even if you fail, you're going to learn, <clears throat> right? Some of those didn't come out so well. You could say on each one, some of those I failed. Yeah. But then I got better on the next ones. So that was just a huge signet, signif uh, significant event. Um, it's not the right word I was thinking of, but it was very significant for me when I did that. And I sat back and I was like, wow, that was transition. Yeah. That was being stuck. So that, that's the significance of that picture. That's pretty incredible. And a couple of things I love about that is one, that there are lessons to be learned in everything. You know, John talks about and and we do too, that experience isn't the greatest teacher, but evaluated experience is. So you, you had that experience and by evaluating and sitting back and allowing that to happen, you allowed the lesson to catch up with you. And that's, and, the truth. Yep. And that's amazing, you know? Yeah. And I also loved how you said it. If, if I don't take some kind of action, some kind of action, I'm going to stay stuck right here. And, that, and a lot of times that's what it is. It's when you take an action, you get at least some feedback. And then you right. can know what you did wrong or what you didn't do wrong yeah. uh, to, to course correct if you need to. Yeah. So I yeah. love that. That's and, I, and I love bringing those stories to the group. I love being vulnerable, yeah. and transparent. I love that. Let them know. When I was a squadron commander, I remember one guy walked in one time and I was giving him an article 15 for weight, right? In the weight program, if you, if you weigh in overweight, first time's a letter of counseling, then a letter of reprimand, then it can work up to an article 15 because and you're working your way out of the service, right? You're not complying with losing the weight and getting back into standards. <laughs> and, and some people would say, well, that's, that's kind of crazy, right? But at my first base, I was complaining one day to this guy who I'm six foot five. He was five foot four. And I said, I'm really, I'm, sorry. I said, I'm really frustrated with this weight standard because I don't get near as much per inch as you get at five, four. And he goes, Don, let me, let me describe it this way. If we're in battle together and you get hurt and I got to pick you up and carry you out, I want you as light as possible. And I was like, that's exactly it. You know, yeah. that's one reason we do it. So anyway, he comes walking in and we're talking and he goes, sir, can I speak freely? And I said, sure. And he goes, you're hardly the person to, to give me mentoring on weight loss. And I said, really? I said, can I tell you my story? And I, I closed the folder. I said, can I tell you my story? I said, be at ease. And I told him my story of my second, I think it was my third day at officer training school. <clears throat> so I was in Milwaukee before I left. I was six foot five, 232 pounds. So I had four pounds to my max. I got to San Antonio, I was only six foot four. With all the walking, luckily I had lost two, I lost two pounds. So I was six foot four, two thirty. I weighed in, and I weighed in at weight. And my flight commander called me in and said, "I'm going to pick you up tomorrow morning at seven thirty. And if you are at or above, you're going home." Wow, that's a significant event. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, "Holy cow!" So I had to. I lost eight pounds that night. I lost twenty eight pounds over ninety days. <clears throat> my whole life from there has been a battle to, you know no more than two cookies a day. I've cut butter out. I've cut mayonnaise out of sandwiches. I've, now, I've, now I've gone to one piece of bread in my sandwiches. It's just been a constant battle. So I explained this to this young staff sergeant. He goes, you are so thin. I, I never know that. Never, never would have known that story. And I said, maybe that's a story I need to tell more often because we're all going through certain things in our life that others just don't know about. 
I love the video on Facebook where some guy walks in and he sees this set of eyeglasses sitting on the table and he looks around like does somebody lose their eyeglasses and he picks them up and he looks through them and he sees over here that this guy's going through a divorce and this kid's you know son just got put in jail and this one's considering suicide and it's like you just never know yeah. when you're looking at the people around you what they're going through and what experiences they've had so it's kind of a neat way to to signify to me just to be open and uh, and be curious, which is what coaching is all about, right? It's just being curious and what's happening and how you can <clears throat> how you can help people through that. So uh, so it was an interesting it was an interesting experience. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And 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 you and I were talking before the, we pressed the record. That's one of the whole reasons we did this podcast is because everybody's got a a story. They've got a lesson learned that you can learn from. And a lot of times I've found that many people feel like they're going through the challenge or the struggle or even great things, right? Great things too. And they feel like, like you've got right here solo. They feel like they're doing it alone. They're the only ones that have gone through it or only ones that celebrate and nobody's celebrating with them. And uh, you're not alone, right? You're not alone. And um, I love that. Can Real quick, I would love for you to hear any, any thoughts on what you just talked about right there, the importance of leaders being vulnerable with those that they lead. Many leaders feel like that, that I don't know if I need to go down that route. Uh, I want to keep them at a distance. Any thoughts on that? Um, tell you to be as open and vulnerable as you possibly can and not worry about it. Obviously, you know, obviously there's some things in your life that you probably don't want, but majority of things, you know, um, <clears throat> it, it actually can help other people. Yeah. Um, perfect example. When I was group commander, the wing commander was off station. The vice wing commander was off station. The ops group commander who normally would fill in for the wing commander was off station. So the deputy group, deputy ops group commander took the operational piece of the wing and they gave it to me for the day to be the wing commander. Now I didn't get to make any decisions or anything. It's not like I was president, you know, but if something would have happened, I would have been the guy. What just happened to be that was our wing safety day. So we were gathering everybody together in the wing hangar and we we're going to talk and we we're going to talk about wing safety. And I had the first 10 minutes just to kind of set it up. So I was trying to think about what I was going to talk about. This was on a Tuesday morning. Well, it ends up the Saturday before I went down to Kansas City. So I got up at five o'clock, went to Kansas City. My son was down there at the University of Kansas. My both actually both sons were going to school there. The one was was bowling. So I got down there at 830 in the morning to, to watch him bowl. And then he and I, um, we went to the to the uh, the baseball cage in the afternoon my son and I other son and I went to the Kansas football game that night to about 10 30 at night I'm getting ready to drive back home so I've been up since 4 30 in the morning <clears throat> so I get some coke or whatever to get some caffeine and I'm, I'm driving north and I stop at this wayside and I went to the bathroom and I walked around I got fresh air you're doing all the things that you think you're supposed to do right 15 miles up the road I fell asleep mm. And I wandered, I started going off into the median left and I hit the rumble strip and the rumble strip woke me up and I fishtailed and got back on the road and uh, scared the crap out of me. So what did I do on Tuesday morning as I relayed that story? You can sometimes do everything you can think of right and still almost have an accident. You just gotta be so careful. I had more people come up to me afterward and said, Thank you for sharing that. It makes me think about what I'm doing. Sometimes I'm pushing the edge too hard and maybe I need to slow down because I probably should have spent the night in Kansas City, right? <clears throat> my, my wife was, I think, down visiting her parents in Arkansas. There was no reason for me to go back home. I could have spent the night. And, and later on when I did a similar trip to that, I spent the night and then I drove home the next morning. So, so I learned a lesson. And I think that really told a lot of people, A, be vulnerable, but B, it can happen to anybody. Yeah. So I think I think it's incredibly important for leaders to be vulnerable and to and to to show some of their fears. You know, I'm thinking about the beginning of COVID. Um, sometimes I talk too much, so I got to be careful. <clears throat> um, beginning yeah. of COVID, right, with businesses, and and think about if you're in the hotel, if you're any of the tourism industry, right, you're in the airlines, you're in the restaurants, you're in the hotel, you're in retail. Everything's closing down. You're not getting any visitors. You don't have any money coming in to pay the bills. You're having to lay people off the opportunity to sit down with your team and say, guys, here's the challenge in front of us. Some people went into their office, made the decision and didn't come out and communicate with their people. Mm -hmm. And they lost all trust and loyalty from those folks. 
those people that walked out and said, open the books. Guys, here's where we're at. This is how long I can keep you. So we need to start laying off some people. And I remember the story once where somebody came up and said, well, sir, instead of that, how about if we all take a 50% pay cut until this gets better? You don't have to lay anybody off. You have enough business to support that. I think from what I'm seeing, would you be open to that? And the boss was like, I didn't think about that. I just thought that I would try to keep as many as I could. And I just have to let one or two people go. And he said, and he, the, the other guy looked around the room and said, would, would you guys be willing to take a pay cut for this? So everybody stays? And they all said, yeah, we'll do that. All for one, one for all, right? So teamwork makes the dream work, as John says. <clears throat> and, uh, and that's what they did. And th- it brought loyalty. It brought trust to the team. You know, the vulnerability really opened up communication. So I think, yeah, there's so many stories like that on both sides of where not being vulnerable leads to problems, but being vulnerable leads to greater teamwork and solutions and loyalty. Yeah. yeah. I think it leads to that trust and that buy-in. You know, we talk about that people buy into the leader before they buy into the vision. And it allows people right. to do that. And you, you mentioned the hotel industry. Logan's not on here with us today, but he's an executive in, in the hotel industry. And they, they did that, right? Like it was a very tough, tough time. I remember having those conversations with him, but they did exactly what you're talking about. They, they were trying to be very transparent. They, they had open communication and they actually did pretty well uh, considering everything. And now they're coming through that and they're blowing and going, right. They're doing good, great. Good. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it just, it develops that whole teamwork approach. I was listening to Darren Hardy this week and he was talking, yeah. you know, when, when there's no trust, people are working for a paycheck. Yeah. When there's trust and you get that motivation piece, they work for the business. They work to make the business better because they know they're going to benefit from that. It's a whole different perspective, but it's how you treat them. That's right. And I, I hope hope we as leaders will, especially those listening, will make that transition because it is yeah. a switch in your mind. It's a mental uh, transition to make as you're talking about transition there. So. Yeah. So often I saw in the military and see it in corporate, and you've probably seen it as well. <clears throat> People get promoted up to that supervisory position and think I'm a leader. And John talks this all the time, right? Leadership isn't about the corner office. It's not about the title. It's not about the parking spot. It's not about how, how many people you supervise. It's about influencing and inspiring people to take action. And, uh, and as long as we can think about that, and it's not about us, it's about them. You know, but, but, there's so many people out there that need to improve their leadership skills. As much as I thought I was a good leader, people told me I was a good leader in the military. You know, I got I got all kinds of accolades. I won leadership awards. When I joined the John Maxwell team, he took my yeah my knowledge of leadership to a whole nother level. And it's really challenged me to even be a better leader. So it's amazing. That's awesome. Well, Don, I, I really appreciate your time. You've added a ton of value. And I, I would like to, like to ask, you know, there may be somebody listening who's in, in military and they're right there, right there, right? You know, they're, they're exactly what you're talking about. I'm trying to make a transition. That are, or maybe there's somebody out there that's not in that, but they would like to support the nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Where would they go to find that information or to support uh, the nonprofit that you guys have? Sure. I appreciate that opportunity. So our website, um, www.militarytransitionroundtable.com, we'll explain a little bit about the program. There's a contact page on there if you're, uh, like I said, active guard reserve or a spouse of somebody who is and you're thinking about transition and you should be thinking two years out. I was just talking to a Navy lieutenant commander recently. He says, I'm about three months out. I think I still got time. I said, what have you done? He goes, pretty much nothing. And I said, you're about eight, 15 months behind. He's like, wow. Because wow. it takes that long to mentally think into what do I want to do next? Build the network, do the research, you know, figure out your, your, your resume should be good six months out you know, from that date of your transition. And then you can start applying for jobs, working interviews, all that kind of stuff. Because that's going to take you a while. Yeah. Um, so I tell people to start early, but that, that website <clears throat> gives you that info, gives you the connection of what we do and gives us our con- gives the contact information as well as an opportunity to, to fill out a form to connect with us. All I want to do really is have a conversation. Let's figure out where you're at. 
and if this process would work for you, the, the mastermind. So we, we talked a lot about the mastermind, which is group coaching, but we do a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching as well. So I, I work with the folks on what do you want to do next? Do we have that conversation? And about an, within an hour, I can usually get people to a pretty good idea that's beyond, I want to work with a team. I want to lead people. I want to do something bigger than myself. And I always challenge people when they come up with something that vague is, how do you find that job in a job fair or in the paper? One that just says that's all it is. Because it's every, it's every job. But, but, you, but if, you're, if you stay there, you're researching every possible job and you're applying for every possible job. <clears throat> that takes a lot of time. But if you can zero in, when I transitioned in 09, I got very specific. I wanted to work environmental and I wanted to work in emergency management. Didn't want to do construction or design. I didn't want to do facility maintenance. I didn't want to do a bunch of things that I had been trained for in the Air Force. I wanted to do those two things. And Booz Allen let me do both of those things. I found a company that would let me do it. And I didn't interview with a lot of companies, which was, which was risky. But it worked out for me to be that specific because they could feel the passion and I had the right connections. So fill out the form. Let's have a conversation. So we do the one on what next coaching. We, uh, we lead that into networking, how to really network, build a network. Most of us haven't been doing that on the outside. So we got to talk, we got to join associations, get to understand the, the civilian language, to get the military jargon out of us to understand them. As somebody said once, we joined them, they didn't join us, right? We, the military, are joining the civilian community. So we have to adapt to them. They don't have to adapt to us. <clears throat> then we do help them develop their LinkedIn profile. We help them really leverage the LinkedIn profile. I work with them on resume, really help them make the resume resonate with hiring managers. So there's a bunch of one-on-one -on -one pieces. And if we just have that conversation, we can figure out which of those things you need and what, what we can help you with, other, get other connections. So it's all off that website <clears throat> to get the connection uh, or off my LinkedIn profile. I'm the only Don, middle initial L, Gleason, G-L-E-A-S-O-N, just like Jackie Gleason. So if you look at Don with a middle initial L, you'll find me. And just, again, love to have a conversation about what it is. Now, same thing with the donation. Um, what we're looking for is, is funding, corporate. So we make it, this is complimentary to all military members and spouses. They don't pay anything to go through the program. <clears throat> so, but we do have costs that we are bearing. So um, we're looking for donations, corporate, individual to help us make this sustainable well into the future. Because um, I think this is, we have proven, so I, I haven't talked about the results. <clears throat> we've had 53, in, in two years, we've had 53 members. I call it graduate the program. They graduate by getting the job they want. <clears throat> so 53 members who have graduated. We got 35 in the program right now. We're looking to, to be up to 90 people in the program by December of this year. So we want to continue to grow and serve more. There's 6,000 people in San Antonio who leave the service every year. There's 200,000 across all the military. There's no way I can serve them all, right? But I can serve a niche. And uh, we have in our program people all across America, the United States. We're going to have a, a cohort start next Thursday in Okinawa, Japan for that group. We're working on one for Germany. I have a meeting on that in two weeks to, to work that. So we're opening up across the world to be able to reach folks that are transitioning. So but it all comes back to that, that conversation through either the LinkedIn web page, the LinkedIn page or the website. And I'll make sure you have that so we can put that on the show notes. And, uh, and then the same thing on the web page, there's a donate button. And uh, we have an open GoFundMe page. And we're really getting a lot of the, oh, I got to go back to something. But we're really getting a lot now of the, with that kind of result that people are proving that's, hey, that's really works. We got, we got a lot of testimonies on the webpage. We got uh, a YouTube page with video testimonies. We're getting more and more. So we're showing to people, if they, if, is this for me? You know, what's, what's it meant for others? Here's the real statistic that I love to talk about. If I can take one more minute. Yeah, come on. Um, so of the 53, 24 of them have been in their new job for at least 24 months. And there's a University of Syracuse study through their Veterans Center that says they, they found that of the thousands of people they interviewed, military leave their first post-military position at the rate of 45% within the first 12 months. Wow. That's almost half. So one out of every two are going to be looking for another job in the first year. In our program so far of the 24 people who are in that 12 months 
plus area, they're leaving at a rate of 12%, almost four times less. And we spent a bunch of time on understanding the values you work best in, right? John's got a whole, John Maxwell's got a whole focus on values and understanding your values. We talk about culture. We talk about the role you really want, right? What next? <laughs> what is that role? How do I define it? We talk about the leadership style that you best operate in and how to ask all those questions in the interview process. You don't just go into the interview and answer questions. You ask questions that are important to you because you're interviewing the company. A bunch of people just either, they just only answer questions or they just ask questions based upon what they were asked. I'm like, no, 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 no. You need to ask about values and culture and leadership style and give them some sample questions just like they give you situational questions to, to try to get at, is this the right environment? And I, I did that and I stayed with Booz Allen for nine years. Wow. So I, so I really focus in on that. So we're, we're building that, you know, through the donation page, we're, we're trying to make this sustainable. And I want to see that grow so that uh, so less military are leaving that position and having to do it all over again, because that's, that's frustrating. There's a story, a gentleman, Ray Domingo in San Antonio, he uh, literally went into depression and he says this publicly, so I think I can share it. Yeah. So he, he, his, his transition was so frustrating. He literally went to depression and his wife noticed it and pulled him out. And, uh, and said, we got, we got to get you some help. And, and, and he did. And now he leads several huge groups in San Antonio for people nationwide wow. to help people through the frustrating process. So, so that's, that's two ways they can help. But again, off, off the, either the conversation off the LinkedIn page or the web page and the donation off the web page. That's awesome, Don. Thanks well, for that opportunity. Yes, that's awesome what you guys are doing. And we'll, we'll put the links in there. It, but it is militarytransitionroundtable.com and then Don L. Gleason on linkedin.com. We'll have the links in there. You just simply click it. If uh, I, I highly recommend if you find yourself in that uh, kind of part of life, that season of life where you are making that transition from the military and into civilian life. I'm, I know there's a mindset shift and you can't you don't have to do it alone is what uh, Don right. is saying. You got an That's awesome right. group of people who want you to succeed that want to help you succeed and highly recommend reaching out to Don and the team right there. So Don, thank That's you awesome. for coming over and uh, joining us for the podcast and adding value to us. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity to share my passion and the, and the journey that I've gone through, because I think it's important everybody recognize you're going to go through a journey to get to where you want to go. But heck, I don't know where God's going to take me in the next 20 years. So I'm just, I'm just open. Yeah. Just, just so, rocking so, and rolling down the road. That's ride. right. So thank you very much. Awesome. Well, listen, guys, I, I appreciate you and listening in. Uh, I hope today has added value to you. If there's something that um, you would like like to comment and for us to share with Don, we'll go ahead and pass that along to him, but make sure to check him out. Also make sure you subscribe and uh, stay up to date with any of our upcoming episodes. And we would love to hear some of your feedback too. If there's certain topics you'd like Logan and I to discuss, or if you have somebody that's got an incredible story as well, that uh, we could come on somebody like Don, that's got an amazing story and uh, some things that they're doing in the world that um that the world needs to hear about we'd love to have them on and discuss with them so appreciate you guys thank you don and i hope you guys have a great day and god bless thanks so much for spending your time with us today as you go about your day remember to ask yourself as a parent child sibling business owner customer boss teammate would you recommend yourself audit yourself and change your life Hey guys, and if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, take a moment, please subscribe, give us a rate and review on your listening platform. And hey, we value your feedback and it helps others find us. Are you ready for this?